You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Brad Tenard. He's the founder of a company called Delicious Brains, which has a lot of products, which we'll get into in a little bit. He's also a creator of a mastermind ski retreat called Big Snow Tiny Conf, which we'll get into in the second half of the show. But first, Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Um, when people ask me where I'm, where my business is located, sometimes I say I'm in the Bay Area, and then I quickly follow up and say there's this little area called uh, Belfast Bay on the coast of Maine. There's about <laughs> five thousand people, <laughs> and uh, I'm not. There's no other. I don't have any tech entrepreneurs in my immediate community that I know of. Mm. Um, what's it like for you in Nova Scotia? That's where you're at, right? Yeah. Well, I used to live in Halifax, which is the, the major city here, and that's almost a million people at this point, and it's really exploding. Um, and so when I lived there, there was quite a few people around. There was a monthly meetup that I went to, a tech meetup. Um, so there's a pretty good community there, but I, I since moved about an hour away to a much smaller, I'm going to say town, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think it qualifies a, a city. And uh, yeah, I'm just not connected here. I know of a couple people that work from home uh, that are in tech uh, and we've tried to have tech meetups here, but it's just never really, it's, no one's stuck with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we have enough people where like at a tech meetup, you know, you know, like half or more people don't show up in any, any given one but yeah. there's still enough people like critical mass that, that enough people show up. So that it keeps going. <laughs> we just don't have that here. <laughs> it's just not quite big enough. Which I'm sure is part of the reason why you decided to create these uh, kind of mastermind retreats with other tech entrepreneurs and also attend some yourself. But we'll get into that in the second half of the, the show in terms of delicious brains. How old is it? Uh, we're uh, we started in 2012. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're eight years old. Yeah, so cool. And I just want to kind of do a quick high level tour of the four main products. You've got WP Migrate DB Pro. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. For course creators, I think the, the the area I see people using this the most is they decide to move web hosting. Mm-hmm. Um they, they need to move their site. They need to move it from let's say they started on a more economical shared hosting and they want to move to like a managed WordPress thing. I, that to me seems like the main use case, at least in this community. In this community, how else do people use the product, and and what does it do at a high level? Yeah, so we actually position ourselves as a tool for developers. So, mm-hmm. if you're a developer, you're often working locally on your own machine, your own dev environment, and then you need to move the site up to a staging environment, and then eventually push it into a production environment. And so that's mainly what the tools use to go between those environments. Um, those are our best customers too, developers, because they're using our tool on a, a daily, um, a weekly, if not daily basis. Um, so it really saves them time like every week, you know? 
Uh, whereas the, the folks that, that sign up or buy our product and use it to move a site once, like, yeah. you know, those people are churning out uh, every year, right? Those are, those are the, it's like the number one reason why people don't renew their subscription with us is uh, yeah. because, well, I, I already used it. I don't need it again. <laughs> so there's an important point there, which I want to bring up. I'm not a developer and whenever it comes to, but I'm a WordPress power user, but right. whenever it comes to migrations, I made a decision a long time ago as a WordPress user, non-developer, I don't touch them. But right. Thomas, uh, who's my business partner at Lyft LMS, uh, he he's been using WP Migrate DB Pro for years to do all this stuff that you're talking about, which is awesome. Right. And I think that's really important what you're saying around identifying your perfect customer and who's who gets the most value out of it. Because he's using that thing all the time. And uh, yeah. I've seen yeah. him have, I don't know how many licenses are active or whatever it's just like this thing has been used and used and it's it's everywhere i always see it in, on the side and i'm just like it's amazing yeah yeah and, and another another uh group of our customers would be people who work at a um I don't, know what, I don't know even know what they're called. They're like maintenance service companies. Is this that, the WAS, like WordPress or websites as a service? Or no, you mean like care plans? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like uh, WP Site Care was one of yeah. the more popular ones run by Ryan Sullivan. And uh, yeah, so like, like those people are migrating sites all day, right? <laughs> like that's yeah. one of their core things. So um, you know, they, they've used, they love our product, right? Cause it saves them a ton of time, makes, makes it easy. So, yeah. And why is it, um, why is migrating a site? It sounds easy, but it's actually kind of hard. Can you just like, maybe just talk about it just at a high level so someone can make the decision, like, I'm going to learn how to do this, or I'm just going to save that for a tech company <laughs> or a freelancer to do. Yeah. So one of the big things is that WordPress has this concept of serialized data. Yeah. So uh, like the widget areas in WordPress are serialized um, and a bunch of, a lot of plugins use serialized data as well. So they basically take a bunch of structured data and just stick it all together and throw it in a field in the database. And if you're moving a site from one place to another, oftentimes the URL changes. So you have to run a find and replace on your database. Well, if you just do that on the, the text file that you export, uh, it's going to do a find and replace on that serialized data. And then the serialized data is going to break and, or get corrupted. And then it's just, you basically lose that data. Like that data becomes unusable by the plugin or by WordPress itself. Um, and so you, you'll basically lose all your widgets or you'll, you know, uh, and, and, you know, it, it corrupts the entire bit of data, right? So if there's like a plugin that puts all its data in the serialized chunk, like you lose everything, you lose all the settings for the plugin. Um, so that's, that's kind of the original problem, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff as well. Like if you're migrating between, uh, you know, a certain version of MySQL uh, here and they have a different version over here. There could be differences in the way it treats the data and we try to kind of normalize all that and, and just sort it all out for you. Um, and so our plugin that kind of handles all those edge cases that, that you might run into with your data. Um, and then like moving, moving files and stuff uh, are problematic. Um, one of the biggest problems 
is so like the best way to move a site is if you have to take the site down that your your current site down put it in maintenance mode uh, and then move everything over, test it, and then flip the switch. Basically, point your domain at the new place, at the new server. Um, and the reason you need to do that is because if you just keep both sites running at the same time, you know data will be added over here that you've and that you won't have over here, and you get these inconsistencies. So you have to you have to really like you have to put everything in maintenance. It's, it's a bunch of things to consider, right? I, uh, for one of our products, Spin Up WP, I wrote a a guide, a migration guide, and it's it's long. It's very long. <laughs> I think that's. I think I can hear just in my mind's eye, course creators nodding their head with you because sometimes a concept or a verb sounds easy. Like, but um, so whatever you're teaching, your subject matter, if you're an expert, there's actually a lot of pieces, and you're I, part of what we do as course creators is we really plant our flag on a problem and we go deep and we help guide people through the journey. Mm -hmm. But a lot, a lot of times our target market requires some education around how it all works. And then they're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Can I buy your product or hire somebody to help do that? That's, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. You mentioned spin up WP. Um, How do people use that? And how could a course creator use it or somebody who builds websites for the expert industry? How could they use it? Yeah, so so Spin Up WP is a a control panel basically for for hosting WordPress sites. So if you wanted to run your own server on DigitalOcean, Linode, AWS, uh, wherever, uh, and but you didn't want to like have to run commands all day, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Spin Up WP is a good solution for that. Basically, it's a, a an app that you sign up for and you point it at a server or even point it at a DigitalOcean account and it'll spin up a server for you, provision it with all the software it needs, configure it how it should be and just run it, run WordPress extraordinarily fast, like really fast. Um, and it's funny when we first started that we didn't, you know, whenever you start a new product, you're not sure exactly what your positioning is going to be and what the benefits people are going to derive from it necessarily are. You have ideas, but you, you don't know until you know, right? Until people start telling you. And uh, speed wasn't really the thing that we thought that people would notice. Like, yeah. we didn't think there'd be a big speed improvement, but it, it's been remarkable how much, how many people are just, I can't believe how much faster it is, you know, than, than the previous hosting they were on. Um, the only, the only thing is, I would say, uh, it does require a certain level of technical know-how, right? Uh, we, we try to take away some of the complexity, but if something does start to, you know, something goes wrong with your server, you do need to SSH into it. Look at the logs, for example. If that sounds like it's too hard for you, it's probably not the right solution for you, right? So it's really our product is really aimed at developers um, uh, or people that don't necessarily have that level of technical ability yet, but are really looking to learn. Right. Um, So that what I always recommend for those people that are interested in it, um, but aren't ready to, you know, jump with both feet in the water and move all their production sites over to it right away is just, um, sign up and, and try it on a blog or some other low risk 
site that you know isn't paying your bills right um and learn and just you know be willing to read and and figure out and poke and break things and just you know explore um that's how i learned the first time uh you know back in 2011 i was having problems with hosting and i just said forget it i'm going to start doing this myself um and and i figured figured it all out um and so yeah that's what i would recommend if 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 you are interested and are willing to put the time in to learn it then then you can certainly do that we have a um a series of blog posts uh that we we call hosting wordpress yourself that basically guides you through setting up a server manually yourself for the first time. So, uh, you know, from deploying your first DigitalOcean droplet right through to, yeah, you know, configuring Nginx to serve uh, WordPress and, and all that. Um, and it just takes you through the commands to run and everything. Um, so I, I usually point people to that when they're, when they're at that level um, and, you know, just, just learn. Yeah, start the start the journey. That's awesome. And what are the primary benefits um, from do, doing that level of uh, hosting your own sites or your client sites or whatever you're doing versus using a canned solution from a hosting company? You mentioned speed. Is there yeah. is it also cheaper? I mean, maybe you need oh, yeah. to have technical ability as a developer. Like DigitalOcean is what we use to power our. Um, we have a trial where people can try our software before they buy. And, uh, but it's, and I know it's, it's really affordable. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit, uh, less expensive. If you're just talking about one site or two sites, it's not, it's not going to make much difference. Right. (laughs) But if you're talking about hosting a hundred sites, like, wow. Yeah. You can probably host, I mean, it really depends on the sites and how much traffic they're getting, what plugins they're running, and all of that. Um, but, but you know, smaller sites, you could probably host a hundred sites on you know just a few servers, right? And a DigitalOcean server is going to be, you know, ten bucks a month <laughs> each <Yeah>. one, <laughs> right? You know? And and then our service is. Uh, is nine dollars a month to get started, and and twelve dollars a month after the first three months. I think is our current lowest price point. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's just like when you're talking about hundred, a hundred hosting, hundred sites. Like it's just yeah, you're saving tons of money. Um, so it's really attractive to those. Like, say if you're, you're a developer and uh, and you want to start hosting your client sites, then. Uh, then you can use our, our tool to do that much, much easier than if you're just managing the servers manually yourself without a, without a control panel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it can be, you know, really, really affordable, um, and add that recurring revenue. Right. So like if you're, if you're a developer, a freelance developer, <laughs> you know, feast and famine is, is how you live. Uh, and so it, it, it helps to, to add recurring revenue. And this is one way you could do that. Right. So that's awesome. Well, let's, let's go through WP offload media and WP offload SES. Um, WP offload media, correct me if I, if I misunderstand is for um, hosting or out um, offloading your WordPress media library. Is that right? 
Yes, offload media is, is for offloading. So if you have, uh, let's say you have a large media library and it's all, as usual, just on your server, on your web server, um, you could get all of that media off your server into Amazon S3 or another, or an S3 compatible uh, storage. We currently support DigitalOcean Spaces and Google Cloud Storage as well. So um, a uh, question on that, just to give you a use case to work with, like mm -hmm. a course creator, a membership site person, they may have like lots of images and whatnot, like most WordPress sites, but they may also be using the media library to host like all these worksheets, PDF templates, maybe some codes, maybe some audio files. Maybe mm -hmm. they're even giving their people the ability to download video files, which are quite large. So what's the benefit here? Right. Uh, well, for, first of all, the one benefit is if, if you've got gigs and gigs of this stuff, getting it off your server is probably a good idea. <laughs> Not, another benefit uh, is Wait, that... Can you, just, can you just say why? Like why... <laughs> Yeah. You not want a gig on your hosting account or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, space is pretty cheap these days, right? So it's not yeah. really cost. It's more about performance, right? So if, you've, if you're serving all, if you're getting requests for PDFs and videos and everything else coming to your site, your site's going to be all that much slower because it has to deal with all that traffic in addition to serving the pages of your site. You really want to separate out the, the content of your site or the, sorry, the, the media of your site from, you know, serving pages. Um, and, and typically people have heard of content delivery networks, CDNs, uh, Cloudflare is probably the, the most popular one. Um, but we've had a lot of issues with Cloudflare. Um, and we, we actually recommend just not using a CDN for your pages, the pages of your site, just have them served by the web server, have good caching in place for those. Um, but then for your media, you know, offload that off, you know, get it off your server onto object storage. So Amazon S3 or whatever. Uh, and then point a CDN at that so that all of your, uh, your media, your videos, your, your PDFs, your images, all of that stuff is served through the content delivery network um, and, uh, and also cached and all that stuff. It, it handles all that stuff. Uh, Gzip compression, it does that as well. So uh, that's, that's what we recommend. Um, and one thing we're currently working on with, on that, on that product right now is that it's, it's not very well set up for um, well, it's actually, it's, it doesn't work at all uh, for private media right now. So like if you have some of your media that's private and you, you don't want, you know, your public visitors, like your non-members, you don't want them to get access to those videos or be able to share or your current members to be able to share them with non-members. Uh, we don't have a real good way to do that yet. Um, you could do it. You can do it, but we don't recommend it because Serving directly from object storage, like Amazon S3. So like if you've, you might have seen in the past where like the URL to download a PDF or something has amazonaws.com in the URL. That's like that when you're downloading something from there, you're downloading it directly from Amazon S3. It's not it's going a to public link, basically, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it doesn't have to be. It could be a signed URL, so it could still be private. But but it's, but the point is, it's coming directly from Amazon S3, and that's slow. You always want to have a CDN in front of Amazon S3 because Amazon S3 is just not optimized for serving media. It's just it's a really slow medium. Um, so you, you want to have a content delivery network in front of that. And we don't currently support having a CDN in front of it and having signed URLs, so private private URLs to that media. But we are working on it right now, and we're going to have it uh, supported probably the first half of this year. Uh, we're pretty excited about that because it's been on our to-do list for, for a long time. That's awesome. And we are recording this in the beginning of January. So uh, for whenever you're listening to this, keep that in mind. And also, just in for some people, this question actually comes up a lot in our community about the privacy of their um, everything, videos, audios, downloads, and everything. But there's also another way to think about it where if somebody shares your workbook or your ebook or um, an audio file, <clears throat> there's a marketing thing called the Newsweek model where even though if you go to a doctor's office, you pick up a magazine that somebody else is paying for and you get value of it, maybe you buy a subscription. So it's not the end of the world to have, in a lot of cases, to have your intellectual property just kind of getting out there in the world. It's, it's actually kind of like free marketing. But I do understand for some people, it is IP that should, they want stronger yeah i think the same argument could be made for like pirated software like uh, <laughs> yeah. photoshop probably has probably like benefited from piracy because i feel like you know a lot of students probably pirated you know yeah. photoshop and then learned it and once you're invested in in how it works and get it good at it then when you get you know out of school uh, and you have a job and you can afford it or you know, your, or your employer is going to pay for it, you know, then, then, then you're a customer. Right. So uh, yeah, yeah I, can, I can, I can see that in, in software as well. That's cool. And real quick offload SES, uh, WP offload SES. This is an important one for the course building community. Um, I'm just thinking about lifter here as an example. I mean, there's the standard WordPress password reset email and stuff like that, but Lifter gives you the ability to create um, customized, personalized emails that go out based on behavior in the courses and everything like that. So it leverages email hard, or I mean heavy. So what, what's WP Offload SES do? Uh, it just uh, offloads your email sending through Amazon SES. Is is kind of the is transactional? The it's transactional email. Is that the correct word for it? It, it yeah. helps you. It helps you do that. So that yeah. WordPress isn't sending your emails. Yes, exactly. It basically hijacks all the WordPress or WordPress's uh, sending of emails and sends all of your WordPress emails through Amazon SES. So any plugins that you have that send email, it's going to send it through Amazon SES. Everything goes through Amazon SES. Um, and that just allows you to increase the you know, deliverability of, of your emails. One of the big advantages of Amazon SES over, uh, you know, the other uh, email transactional email platforms like Mailgun and Postmark, etc., is that it's just like everything Amazon. The cost is just way lower. It's yeah. it's just incredibly low. Um, now, some people are going to say, 
well, but Mailgun is free. And it's true. Mailgun, <laughs> Mailgun offers like 10,000 free emails a month, right? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for them to change that. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> like it's going to be any day now, you know, because it used to be everyone used um, Mandrel, uh, which is a, the transactional email service by MailChimp. Yeah. And of course, uh, they, they stopped offering that and they bundled Mandrel into MailChimp's subscription service, right? So you, you can only send a transactional email if you you have a subscription to MailChimp now. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like that free model. I don't know if it's. Uh, I'm hoping that it's it's gonna expire soon <laughs> with 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 Mailgun. But if you look at Mailgun even, and you hit a certain threshold, like if you go over that ten thousand emails a month, it gets expensive immediately like it's very expensive as soon as you hit that threshold so that's that's where that's their whole model right they're trying to get you in there and get you over that threshold so that so that you become a, a high high value customer so um, so amazon SES, i mean it's backed by amazon it has great deliverability and everything the big problem with amazon SES is that it's just a huge pain to set up and so our plugin has tried to just make that really easy We've um, put a, a wizard, so you actually step through each step, and we've got screenshots in there, and uh, it just, we're just trying to make it as easy as possible to, to set up SES. That's what great software companies do, is they remove friction. So go check out deliciousbrains.com, and uh, all the products are there. There's a, uh, some really cool videos on the homepages of all these that kind of go into what they do. It's a good place to get started. That's deliciousbrains.com. We're going to switch the conversation to a completely different area. Uh, we're going to take our technology hat off and put on uh, two hats, which would be the expert hat and also the, um, uh, well, it, it really crosses all the hats. Um, Brad, you haven't, you haven't heard me describe this. This is how I do the show. Uh, the reason I do, and the reason I do the show, which is that to be a successful I call them education entrepreneur. You have to wear five hats. You have to be an expert, a community builder, a mm -hmm. teacher, a technologist, and an entrepreneur. So there's a lot going on there, and that's why the failure rate is so high because right. um, you have to be a unicorn to be good at all that. It's, it's easier to build a team, but that's hard too because you got to have cash, and, mm -hmm. which is hard to start. So anyway, it's a, it's a hard challenge. Mm -hmm. This podcast helps people level up across the various different hats. Um, before this call, I was exploring your site and thinking about the impact that masterminding has had on me. I'm actually kind of a mastermind junkie. I just kind of realized this this morning thinking about this interview because currently, like right now, I'm participating in, I believe, six masterminds. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, let me just describe sort of the mix here. Um, mm -hmm. For me, uh, I've got... There's one I've done, just it's an annual thing. Uh, I've done several times, which is Chris Lima's Cabo Press event. Great event. That's where I met you. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a ton out of that. That's a mastermind retreat, which is similar to um, kind of how your approach to um, combining skiing and masterminding with other founders or whatever. But then I have, I have a couple that I do actually with my ideal customer, which is a really, I've kind of invented this one. And these are people that, are trying to be successful with my product and we kind of do the mind meld like once a month. Mm -hmm. So there's one. And then I have, um, 
I joined Dan Martell's SAS Academy, which I get a ton of value out of. It's more of a membership and a program and live events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Get a lot out of that. And then I'm in a marketing, more of a, uh, another entrepreneur one where I'm the only tech guy. And then I'm in another one with a, you know, brilliant copywriter. And, hmm. but all that, I, I, if I had to say like, what's the key, I would put masterminding in the top three things that help me and support me and the reasons I'm successful, I guess. Um, so I just wanted to kind of put the context there and there's, there's two things with the mastermind, uh, deal for this audience. Number one is that you may have a course or a membership site and you could potentially add this as an upsell to your program, uh, for, for like your, you know, high end best customers, people who want to really invest and get the most out of your, your program. Uh, the other thing is you can use it. Number two is you can use it as a support system as you, the education entrepreneur, when you go hang out and mastermind with other education entrepreneurs, there's something special that happens when you get together in a room and, or do stuff together and you realize you're not alone. And the big idea is that the sum is greater than the parts. The mastermind, the thing that happens when these individuals get together is greater than, um, uh, than the sum of the parts, I guess. So I was just, just positioning what we're going to talk about here. Tell us about Big Snow Tiny Conf, why you started it, what it is. Well, why I started it is pretty simple. Uh, I love snowboarding, and snowboarding isn't very good where I live. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, this is a way to expense uh, a, a snowboarding trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, but no, I... I I mean, I had this, I think it was, might've been Dan Martell who tweeted um, some trip that he took snowboarding out West. And I, I mentioned on Twitter to two of my buddies, Jason Schuller and Brian Castle, you know, how great this would be. And they were pretty enthusiastic to, to, to make something like that happen as well. And, uh, so I, I, yeah, I think a year or two went by <laughs> and then yeah. eventually we decided to, uh, to just make it happen. And so like the first year we just gathered a few people together and, uh, and we made it happen. Um, and a funny thing happened that first year though, is the weather was terrible and my flights were canceled. I never made it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we, so we've been doing it out at, we were doing it out of Burlington, Vermont. And then uh, just the last couple of years, we've, we've moved it to Stowe. Um, and the first year, I think we had five people or so. It was very small. A uh, couple, couple people didn't make it, including myself. Uh, and then I think we were right around that the next year. But eventually, we got up to like 12 to 14 people. Um, last year, we had 12. Uh, we cut it down to 10 this year. We've been, previous years, we've been open where we, um, just people can apply to, to join. Uh, and, but the last couple of years we've been, uh, we've been just invite only, uh, just, we kind of just put a cap on it. Um, it, cause w- what happens is the same people, we didn't really anticipate this, but the same people do come back, right? They really That's love. That's the thing is there, it's uh, valuable. And once you realize it and you experience it, it's easy to, I mean, it's something you should probably keep doing. 
Well, and it's <laughs> just like any mastermind, it's super valuable to um, revisit with the same people, right? Because they know your history um, and they're interested to, you know, hear how the story goes, right? Like right. they're invested, they're invested in your story. Um, so there's a lot of value for those people that are, that are coming back every year. Um, and uh, so that's kind of why we decided to make it invite only. At the same time, you, you, you kind of want new blood too, because new ideas and new perspectives and all the goodness that comes with that. And so, well, yeah, we're kind of torn at this point. Like, how do we, how do we keep this fresh, uh, but still have, you know, people coming back uh, that want to come back? And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a tricky, tricky thing. Um, and, and we're just doing this for fun. Uh, it's yeah. a nonprofit. Like, we're not making money on this. Um, and uh, so as, as soon as it stops being fun, we'll just stop doing it, right? Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a... It's not a for-profit thing. And, and, we, and we've talked about expanding it. Like we could have two houses instead of one, you know, or, or three houses or even or whatever. Um, and it's just like, that's just a bunch of overhead we don't need, you know, like then, then not everyone's going to even know each other or get to talk to each other. So like, what's the point? <laughs> like, um, that's cool. And, and just to be clear, so this is a mastermind retreat that Brad does for himself with other software entrepreneurs. It's not something he's selling to his customers. I want to I get into like the format. And I think it's important with masterminds and these types of things that like there's no one way to do it. Like mm -hmm. um, some people like introverts, I would prefer like a small mastermind community. Like, and I'm actually more introverted person. That to me sounds a lot more fun than like a giant, giant one or whatever. But mm -hmm. although I get the value out of both, um, but you see, I'm on your website right now for the Big Snow Tiny Conf, the East mm -hmm. edition, and the topics you guys get into as software companies, and pretty much all of these topics are also relevant to course creators, are mm -hmm. design, marketing, launching a product, pricing and business models, code, entrepreneurship, working with clients, and bootstrapping. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like the purview of the topics. But what's the mix like? skiing dinners talking time like yeah. tell us about the mix what's your mix yeah so we all we all arrive usually a monday um we have uh, order pizza uh and just chat we usually at some point once everyone's arrived we uh introduce ourselves although now that we're returning attendees i don't know if we'll do that <laughs> like it kind of kind of redundant um and then um and then the next morning we get up and go on the hill, right? Uh, and then we're, you know, we're, we're going up the chairlift. We're like on the ride to the hill, we're talking about business. On the chairlift, on the way up the hill, we're talking about business. And then we rip down the hill and do it again, you know, <laughs> back up yeah. on the chairlift. You know, it's, it's like, that's the dream. That's the dream I had. Like when I saw Dan's post, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome? Because it's kind of boring going up the chair, right? Oftentimes, like you're just sitting there and, you know, you know, a prisoner in your own mind <laughs> yeah. you know, with your own thoughts. Um, it's just great to have someone next to you who's passionate about business to be able to bounce ideas off of, especially as a solo entrepreneur who's working from home, you know, um, not able to bounce ideas off people all the time. So uh, that, that part of it's great. After the skiing, like we break for lunch, go back out, ski, a little, ski or snowboard a bit more. And then we come back to the house Sometimes we'll do um, 
like a gap, like a one hour gap or something where there's nothing planned, like free time, basically. A lot of people will go in the hot tub during that time and chat about business again, (laughs) (laughs) Um, chat about business, but also life in general, you know, philosophy, who knows, you know, whatever people want to talk about. Um, Then we have more structured sessions. So usually we've got a couple sessions before dinner. So we'll, uh, we'll eat or um, we'll, so each uh, attendee comes up with their own session, whatever that, whatever they want. So usually it's something they, they explain how their business is going, like give it some context and then, then present some things they're grappling with some problems that the group could help them with. Um, that's usually, uh, what a session involves. Um, so is that like, is that where somebody session that just, uh, something that they want to share with the group that they, that they know that the group doesn't have any clue about that they think the group can benefit from. Right. So we've had that as well. We had someone last year present on, uh, B, uh, BI tools. So, uh, business intelligence tools, which basically no one in the room, uh, knew except him. <laughs> and uh that was fascinating stuff so so sometimes there's there's those types of chats too yeah that's super cool and uh there's a couple things i want to highlight you said it starts on a monday which i think is cool because um it's not a vacation i mean it is because you 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 intentionally make it fun but it's like part of your job as an entrepreneur to like yep. improve and like take a step back Get, mm-hmm. get a 30,000 foot view and net, you know network with other people in your industry. So it's like, I used to feel guilty about some of the stuff I've done. And now I'm like, I don't care. This is my job. I chose it. It's fine yeah. if I'm going to this like really awesome location to, you know, work on my business, not in my business or whatever. It's, um, that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, one of the reasons we all start these types of businesses and not working for someone else, right. Is the freedom to be able to do these kinds of things and um, be the master of your own domain. So <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's, I'm certainly, certainly figures prominently in, in the reasons why I started my business for sure. So how much time, if you're leading like the organizing of it, how much time would you say goes into planning it? And I know you've done it several times, so you're probably getting faster, but yeah. like what, what's the investment of just overhead management? Timeline. Yeah, it's it's like anything. Uh, once you set up the process uh, and just running the process, it's you could do it with your eyes closed, and it's not a lot of work, right? Like rent um, Airbnb, like invite people, update. Yeah, we, we use Home Away, or yeah. I think it's called something else for VRBO. I think is the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use we use that site to book it. Um, th- so, like, if we need to change venues that is a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> so we've got to actually <laughs> yeah. like research where we can stay, you know, this, this many people where everyone needs their own bed. That's not a bunk bed. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's challenging to find a, a house that like a big house, those boxes. And is also nice, you know, that does, it's not a, a hostel. <laughs> um, so, you know, this, Last last year was the first year we've done it at Stowe, Vermont, which is a pretty big upgrade from Burlington where we were. And so it was a bit challenging to find a good house uh, there, but we were super happy with it last year. Um, this year we we're upgrading to, yeah, the big thing we, we spent time on this year uh, was a chef. 
So I researched chefs and tried to find a freaking chef. <laughs> and it was, it was hard. Uh, I finally found a guy in Montreal who's willing to um, travel down and cook for us uh, one night. And he'll do two breakfasts for us as well and do all the cleanup. So we don't have to do any of that as well. Um, and that's key. I, I don't, same with company retreats. Uh, I've started doing chefs as well. And it's been well worth the cost to, to have a chef so that the team or the, the attendees can focus on, you know, other things that are more important than cleaning dishes and preparing the food, right? Because um, preparing the food isn't just, you know, preparing the food. You got to go get the groceries, right? You got to you got to plan what you're going to cook. You got to get yeah. all the ingredients. And when you're getting ingredients uh, at an Airbnb, you've got to get salt and pepper and every <laughs> little condiment. And every, so it's, it's a, it's a horrible, <laughs> it's a horrible task to, to cook uh, in those situations. And we, we've done it. We've done it before. Um, so it's, it's just great that we can, uh, I really hope the chef works out for us this year. I was inspired by, uh, so there's another, there's a sister event that runs in, um, in Colorado, in Beaver Creek, Colorado. Um, we don't run it. Uh, a friend of ours runs it, uh, uh, Dave Rodenbaugh. And although we attend, we're Brian and I, who run the event in Vermont, are attending uh, Colorado uh, again this year. And uh, he, he had a chef. And we were just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, we should definitely do this if we can. And we finally got our stuff together and got a chef for this year. So it's going to be better. So every year we try to level it up a little bit. And um, like last year, it would have been finding that house. This year, it's the chef. And next year, maybe it'll be something else. Um, so we, we try to try to only do a little bit so that we're not spending a ton of time on this, on this event. Um, and I think that's the key. Like the first year, you should really keep your expectations low, your attendee numbers low, and everything. Just do everything at a smaller scale, and then just build on that uh, in the subsequent years, right? Um, so, so this year, like, how much time does it take to organize it? I mean, because you're going to do an upgrade every year, like that's going to take some time. But does it require more than like a week of actually like working oh, on it no. part time? Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No. No. Like. Uh, I can't even think of what takes a ton of time. Like, like I said, the, the, the big thing this year was, was just the chef and I, I, I chose to do that. I didn't need to do it. So I think if, if I hadn't, you know, if I wanted to do the bare minimum, I could probably get away with like, you know, four hours total work to, to prepare in advance of the event. Right. Between and then Brian, maybe he would do four hours as well. You know, just updating the, the dates on the website, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and emailing with attendees uh, like we have an email list already. Um, but but honestly, this year we didn't even need to do that because our returning attendees all wanted to come back. Right. So like it was it's just it just runs really easily now. Right. So. How do you do the people like um, what variables? Like, I'm sure you probably do something where you invite people or people have to apply. And there's certain criteria that make a good mastermind. For some people, maybe it's like people who are at similar revenue numbers or similar size companies or similar stage. While at the same time, it's also helpful to have um, um, some diversity in there too. So you mm -hmm. can see into your future and also help some people in your past, I guess. But what, 
like for you and i mean everybody could do it different like what types of variables do you think make it so a mastermind the group is really the best selection and it's um it's not just people who are similar in the same category or have a general similar interest like how do yeah. you how do you do it yeah i think you're right i think i think having um a diversity of backgrounds is important right so like um at big snow we've got uh, one guy who has a sales background uh and he manages uh, a bunch of sprint stores in tennessee <laughs> Right, like, or not manages. He owns. He owns yeah. uh, sprint franchises in, in Tennessee, right? And um, but but he's also working on a SaaS app, right? So he's 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 gaining knowledge about that from us, but we're also gaining from him about sales and all of his background, right? Um, there's there's two guys who who run physical product businesses, right? Like yeah. they've got warehouses and they're dealing with shipments and they're dealing with. Pro- manufacturing in China. Right. Um, and so, uh, it's really fascinating to me, like all the ways they think about things and how, how complicated things are to them, um, that I didn't even think of. Um, and, and then like, I think for the most part though, the rest of us are software, um, software businesses. Um, so I, yeah, but I, I do think we, I think the diversity helps a lot. I think, I think it's really good to have those different perspectives in the group. Um, so I guess you wouldn't want a business that's too different though. <laughs> yeah. Similar challenges. Like, yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't think, you know, like the guy who was a dog food factory. I don't know if that's going to be <laughs> all that useful. Like if they're, if they're going to fit into the group, maybe though, like it's business is business, right? Like it's, when you break it down to its core components and first principles, it's really, it's really all the same, right? Yeah. You're trying to, you're looking for opportunities, exploring opportunities. You're looking for what customers want. You're talking to, you know, it's all the, it's all the same stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if it matters that much, how similar, uh, as long as everyone's on the same page with regards to revenue and stage, that is important. So like, if someone that comes, someone comes to our event and they just have an idea and they have no idea what we're talking about, like when we're talking about, you know, SaaS metrics and like later stage things that are important, um, they're just going to have a harder time relating to, to what we're talking about. And, um, and we've, you've seen this in, um, microconf, the, the conference for, have you heard of microconf? I have. Yeah. 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 It's a great conference. Um, I've met a lot of people, uh, that I talk to regularly through, through microconf and, uh, yeah, that conference is great. And they, they split it up. So they, they had uh, microconf growth edition and starter edition so that the attendees could pick kind of, you know, the group that they should, should be in. I think that was smart, a smart thing to do. Cause I, when I went to growth edition, I was like, Oh, this is so much better. Because when you walk up to someone, you know, you're pretty confident that they're going to have an established business and be struggling with some of the things that you've struggled with, you know, um, or, or are struggling with things that, you know, that you will be struggling with, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, by the way, I would highly recommend that conference. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really great one.
Awesome. Well, Brad Tenard, he's from Delicious Brains and Big Snow Tiny Comp. Check those out. Um, I'd encourage you to explore masterminding either to add as a value add to your offer for your customers or even more importantly, to support you as an education entrepreneur. And you can go big and design this cool mastermind retreat like Brad, or it can start with just uh, a couple of, of names and a Zoom meeting link. I mean, it doesn't, you can go as high touch or low touch as, as you want. There's different ways to do it. Um, yeah. I, I would say like going to a conference like Microcom is going to help you find those people that you can then jump on Zoom calls. Uh, I mean, that's what, that's what did it for me. So like events, events are key in person events. I would say. Awesome. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, he did mention Brian Castle, who he started Big Snow Tiny Conf with. We have an episode with Brian, so you can do a search for LMS Cast, Brian Castle, that's C-A-S-E-L. We also did an interview with Ken Wallace from Mastermind Jam. So check that out. And uh, thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate it. This was a rocking conversation. We covered a lot of ground. And thank you for adding so much value to the course building community. Hey, my pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.